Whether this is her first Mother's Day or her 40th, she deserves more. Shop tons of stunning on-trend jewelry for every budget at Diamonds Direct. Diamond fashion jewelry, beautiful birthstones, everyday pearls, starting at just $200. Commemorate the real loves of her life with a gorgeous pendant featuring the birthstone of the one who made her mom. This Mother's Day, Diamonds Direct is everything you need to say thank you. Diamonds Direct, your love, our passion. Online at DiamondsDirect.com. Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry. With an education that empowers communities, Trinity grads can change lives by applying natural health principles and techniques in holistic practices or stores selling nourishing health products. Offering 19 online programs that fit your busy schedule, you'll get training to help turn your passion into a career. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. Episode 77, Money Myths That Are Holding You Back with Rob Berger. Welcome to the Frugal Friends Podcast, where you'll learn to save money, money, embrace simplicity, and live a richer life. Here are your hosts, Jen and Jill. Welcome back to another regular episode of the Frugal Friends Podcast. It's never I'm regular. Jen. I'm Jill. <laughs> and we are stoked to have another guest with us today. We've got Rob Berger, who is the deputy editor of personal finance at Forbes, the Forbes, mm, the... You know the one. Yes. The creator of doughroller.net and author of the book we're talking about today, Retire Before Mom and Dad. There is almost nothing this dude hasn't done, and he's Mm. still so nice Mm -hmm. and humble. Mm -hmm. He's so great. Yeah, I think this is a longer episode because it was such a good interview, such rich dialogue, Mm -hmm. at least in my estimation, that I really think you're going to want to listen all the way through. Yeah. Definitely listen all the way through. No rambling. We don't scream. Just really, really great stuff. <laughs> yeah. We talk about screaming, but we but don't we scream. don't scream. We yell a little bit, so don't fall asleep. Yeah. yeah. So this was a fantastic interview. Definitely listen all the way to the end. And uh, you're going to love Rob just as much as we did. So let's get into <laughs> Guaranteed. it. Guaranteed. Thank you so much, Rob, for coming on the Frugal Friends podcast. It's so good to have you here. Well, thanks for having me. I'm really excited about uh, being on your show. Yeah, we are excited to dive in and hear your take on all things money, you know, all of it. Yeah. So we're curious, Rob, can you tell our listeners and us a little bit more about yourself and how you came to write your book? Sure. It was kind of a, a, you know, 20 years in the making, but I won't go through the whole thing. So I <laughs> no, kind of had an epiphany time. about yeah, money. Yeah, let's go for it. Yeah. <laughs> we got time. Okay. <laughs> so I was born a little over 50 years ago. <laughs> yeah. So when I started out of college and working, I was very sort of typical in the sense that, you know, you make some money, you spend a lot of it and you try to save a little bit. And I didn't really give it much thought. And had an epiphany along the way. This would have been around oh, early 2000s that said, yeah, you know, all this stuff that I'm buying, it's not really making me happy. And I need to, to change that. Mm. And so I, I made some big changes in my life, happy to go into the details. But um, that then led me to wanting to get out of debt. Uh, and I've even got a piece of paper here with me that I wrote out in 2005 that said I'd be totally debt free in seven years. Didn't quite make that deadline, but eventually did. Anyway, that led me to start blogging at Dough Roller uh, in 07. And then that turned into a podcast in 2013. I've since sold all of that, but out of that grew the book. And I wrote the book for two reasons. Because of the blogging and the podcasting, people love to tell me about their money, Mm. friends, family. I mean, I know how much money they have in the bank, how much they make. It kind of gets weird after a while. <laughs> People just feel uh, like they can tell you things. Well, it, it, that, and I have to remember what I'm not allowed to repeat to whom. It's like, I've got all this information mm-hmm. in my head that can't go anywhere. Oh my goodness. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but in talking to them, I realized that people had some basic questions they were struggling with, right? How do you get out of debt? 
how how do you start investing? What's a mutual fund? You know, how do you build wealth? So that was the first thing. I wanted to write a book that kind of gave people a plan of action. Here's here's how you should think about building wealth and here's how to do it. That was the first reason I wrote the book. The second one was, and I think this started around the Great Recession, 08, 09. There's this, I think there's this feeling that the American dream is, if it's not dead, it's really wounded <laughs> mm-hmm. and 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 not available to a lot of people. Sure, if you're born in the 1% or whatever, you've got a trust fund, uh, you win the lottery, you, 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 you found Facebook, you're fine. But for everyone else, it's going to be a struggle and you're likely not going to uh, participate in the, in the American dream. And while I, I acknowledge we, we have challenges, I really don't believe that. I think there's a lot more hope for us. And I think we have a lot more power over our financial future. And so I wanted to write a book that kind of gave people some hope and, and, and a plan of action. So that's, that's why I wrote the book. That's awesome. Yeah. You mentioned some big changes that you made that you are fine going into. Care to share any of the heavy hitters. So I, I went to you know undergrad where my wife and I met, and then I went to law school, and I graduated in '92 with a truckload of debt. So you know, as bad as student loans are now, they were they were a thing in nineteen in the 1990s. <laughs> we'll and take went, your word for it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, in today's dollars, and my wife had some too from graduate school. We probably had in today's dollars 150 grand, I'd say, in debt. Mm, um, yeah. And I went to work at a law firm. And in the in the world of uh, law firms, you sort of work for eight years as an associate. And if you work hard and do all the right things, you make partner. And that's sort of the holy grail. That's the thing everyone you know wants to achieve. And I wanted that. And sure enough, after eight years, I made partner. And I was not happy. <laughs> it's like I'd had this goal for so long and I achieved it. And it was like, yeah, I don't think I want to do this anymore. This is not what I thought it would be. And at first, I didn't leave the firm. I just started buying things with this this newfound money, stuff that I thought, okay, law firm life isn't really what I wanted, but maybe a fancy watch will do it. That took about two years for me to realize, yeah, that ain't going to cut it either. So I left the <laughs> law firm, took a massive pay cut, sold almost all of the stuff that I had bought, and kind of re- did a reset. And that kind of led me to the point where, yeah... It's not the stuff that's going to make me happy. You know, some stuff in life is good, but going after it like that, the law firm, the partnership didn't make me happy. All the stuff it could buy me didn't make me happy. I want something more out of life. And so I kind of did a reset and started focus on getting out of debt. And that kind of gets me into that 2005 period. I was actually listening to Dave Ramsey. And I'm, I'm not really, you know, I've never read any of his books. I don't really listen to him on a regular basis. But I was listening to him. It was, it was like June. It was June of 2005. And you know how if you've ever listened to a show, people come on and they scream they're debt free. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I thought, yeah, that's what I want. That's what I want. I, I don't know that scream. I want to go on a show and scream I'm debt free. Right. <laughs> yeah. Maybe I could, I'll, I'll scream on your show. Yeah. So I yes. thought, yeah, that, that's more appealing to me. That's awesome. Yeah. I listened to Dave Ramsey when we were paying off debt and I never went on and screamed there. I screamed in my house. <laughs> but not, I didn't feel like I needed to spend the money to go to Nashville to scream. Right, right. <laughs> but yeah, you could you could scream at home. Why yeah. you scream? Why now, do I that? It's free to it's free to scream at home. Free to scream yeah. at home. <laughs> Rob, I also love that you said your goal was to pay off your debt in seven years, and that you didn't actually make that. And seven years is a long time too. Like people set these goals to pay off their debt, and like two and three years and get so bummed when they don't make it. Yeah. But I love your story there. Well, and mathematically, when I set that goal, mathematically, you know, I couldn't, I couldn't make the numbers add up. You know, when I kind of tried to put it in a spreadsheet, mm. yeah, it just wasn't going to add up. But I, I wanted, in some ways, setting a goal that you know in, in, is not possible as things stand now, right? If it, it forces mm. you or compels you to start thinking outside the box. At least it did for yes. me. Sure. Mm -hmm. And the path I ended up taking, I could have never predicted. And again, I didn't actually become debt free in seven years. It took me another, I think, four years. So it was like 11 years it took me. Wow. But that's okay. (laughs) It was was like failure had never felt so good, right? I'll fail that way every day. Yeah, right? Sure. (laughs) Yeah. So I'm going 
off script here. Not that there's much of a script. So Ooh, yeah. to, to your <laughs> to I'm, your comfort and knowledge level, <laughs> don't be nervous. It's not going to get weird. <laughs> but that you it's know interesting what you're describing. So my background is in social work, and we talk a lot about the psychology of humanity and people who tend to thrive despite difficult circumstances versus those who don't or just survive. And and this concept of external locus of control versus internal locus of control. And those who think that they don't have power over things and things just happen to them and they have no ability to course correct tend to do worse in life. That's, you know, just like a quick summary. But it's interesting. It sounds like from what you're describing, even going back to the very beginning when we first started talking of saying that you think a lot more people have power over their money than they think, which to me, like that got me thinking about, well, yeah, that's connected to where we think the control comes from. So with that thought in mind, Rob, what do you think it would take for somebody even even not making a ton of money to be able to move towards that mentality of, I am able to do more with my money than I think? That is a great question. And I won't pretend that I have the perfect answer to it, but I do think there are some elements that go go into it. One is knowledge, right? So as an example, when I talk to folks, I talk to a lot of people that have just graduated from high school or college, and I'll ask them, you know, so what do you think it would take to be a millionaire, right? And, you know, they're making 30 grand a year, 40 grand, you know, uh, they're not making six figures. And sure. they kind of give me that look like, I don't even know what world you're in right now, because mm-hmm. this is not possible. Mm-hmm. And I'll, I'll, I'll give them like a hypothetical. I'll say, well, let's imagine you make 50 grand. Mm-hmm. And let's imagine you never, ever get a raise. You're going to make 50 grand until you retire in your late 60s. Mm-hmm. And on top of that, you can only save 5%. You're not allowed to save anymore. That comes out to about 208 bucks a month. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you do that, how much will you have when you retire, if you earn an average return? And the answers I get usually range between $100,000 and $500,000, right? Mm-hmm. So when I tell them, no, it's actually $1.7 million, it's like this light goes off in their mind, right? Mm-hmm. Because we don't, we don't compounding, we all know what it is. But when you actually put the numbers in and let them run for 10, 20, 30 years, they end up compounding in a way that I don't think our minds, at least mine certainly doesn't, that we don't mm-hmm. naturally grasp, right? And so I think, again, this isn't a complete answer to your question, uh, but I think once we realize the power of every dollar that comes into our hand, we, we have to spend some of it for sure, right? Sure. But when we understand that power, even relatively small amounts invested over time, uh, at least for some folks, it, it empowers them. So, you know, I didn't, I didn't realize that. So that's maybe part of the answer. I don't think it's a complete answer because I talked to other folks and I won't mention, I won't mention my son or daughter. I won't say it's them. <laughs> don't okay? say their names. <laughs> I won't say, but you know, they've, pretty, you know, I mean, they're so sick of this stuff, right? I mean, so they have the knowledge. I'm not sure it always translates, though, into, as you described it, you know, having this sort of worldview that you have more control over your life than you may think you do. So there's another piece to it that's maybe just pure psychological that I don't know that I've fully figured out. Sure. I think some people, yeah. I don't know if it's their upbringing, you know, nature, all those things, they're just the kind of people that, you know, they're not going to give up and they're just going to keep, they're going to keep moving towards their goal. And when they, they have a setback, they're going to pick themselves up, brush themselves mm-hmm. off and keep moving towards mm-hmm. that goal. Mm-hmm. And other people just don't. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Do you guys have any answer to that question? I I love what you're saying about the knowledge piece, though. I think that even even having an understanding that there are two ways of approaching the world and understanding how and why things happen, at, at least in this sense, right? If we're talking internal versus external, that can help. So I, I love that you mentioned yeah. knowledge and just beginning to attribute the fact that your dollar does have power. I think we too quickly give up and say, I'm only making $30,000 a year. So this is my lot in life. And I'm only ever going to be working this job or whatever the case is. But to start to kind of pull back from that, 
that and gain perspective, which I think comes from community. So reading your book, listening to this podcast, that's it. Stop Mm -hmm. there. (laughs) No, but continuing to engage with these types of things and people in the community and, and gaining more perspective, I think can help than just kind of nose in the sand thinking nothing's ever going to change. Yeah. And I suppose part of it too might be who you surround yourself with, right? If you want to become Mm -hmm. someone who, you know, just keeps moving towards the goal, uh, even in difficult circumstances, surround yourself with people who are like that. Yeah. I think that could help. Good word. Thanks for going off script with me. (laughs) Yes. I also liked what you said earlier about having to think outside the box in order to like reach your goals. And I think in addition to knowledge, I think the resourcefulness that comes with having to think differently about your situation or get creative, think outside the box. I think that's another thing that can really help people take control. Well, and that's actually a big part of what I write about in the book. And I call it asking what if questions, right? Mm -hmm. So they can be small, like, you know, the whole latte factor thing. Some people love it. Some people hate it. But, you know, what if you give up a latte, right? Okay. That's pretty small. What if you give up cable TV? All right. Now we're getting serious, right? You're messing with with cable, you know, or God forbid the Netflix subscription. Uh, And by the way, I have a Netflix subscription, so I'm not suggesting everyone go out and cancel. But you can start to ask more serious what if questions. Like, what if I don't have a car? And I think Mm -hmm. if, at least if if folks are like me, I immediately have an objection to that. It's like, well, how am I going to get to work? (laughs) You know, how how am I going to get the kids to their soccer games? How how can I go without a car? But if you start to ask those questions, it forces you to think outside the box. You may at the end say, you know what? After thinking about it, I'm still going to drink my latte. I'm still going to have cable. I'm still, I'm still going to have a car. Um, Then again, maybe you won't, right? I mean, maybe some things Mm -hmm. will change. And when my wife and I moved to Washington, D.C., we got an apartment and I could walk to the metro and I could be to work in 25 minutes downtown D.C. Mm. And a year after we were there, we did what I think so many families do. We moved out to the suburbs. Why? Well, houses are cheaper. None of them are cheap here, but cheaper. And that's what people do. Mm. And we got, we got two cars. Why? Because that's what people do. And I commuted an hour and a half each way to work. Why? Because that's what we do here. I wasn't thinking at all outside the box. I wasn't asking what if questions. Mm -hmm. And I look back on that time and I think, man, I was an idiot. Now, if I'd asked those questions, eh, maybe we would have done the same thing, but I kind of doubt it. And by Mm -hmm. the way, I don't have a car today, although my wife does. So she lets me drive hers. So kind. Yeah. Nice woman. Yeah. Yeah. And if you ask yourself so many what if questions, you may not change. You you probably won't change everything, but you're bound to change at least one Mm -hmm. thing. Mm-hmm. And that's the goal is just to make incremental changes. Yeah. yeah. And you can run experiments, right? Park your car for mm-hmm. three weeks or go without a latte for three. I mean, I use the latte example in part because there was a time when I had a mocha almost seven days a week for years. Good for you. And um, I stopped more for health reasons. I know a mocha is great, right? <laughs> but I stopped more for health reasons yeah. than, than financial reasons. But I was, I was miserable for mm. a couple of weeks. That's all I could think about was the stupid mocha. <laughs> and then after a while, you stop thinking about it. You don't even miss it. And if I had one today, I'd get sick to my stomach. Mm-hmm. The mocha factor. <laughs> well, you know, it's like you th- you, we think we know what makes us happy. Yeah. We have routines mm-hmm. and life habits. And, you know, well, I can't give up that. I can't give up this. Like, you know, I want to live life, right? I want to live life to the fullest. And this is what it looks like for me. At least in my case, I've come to believe that half the time I don't have a clue what makes me happy. I'm just, <laughs> That's I'm, so I'm honest. just sort of, I love it. It's so true. Yeah, I mean, seriously. We think we know, and then we do that thing and we're still miserable. Mm-hmm. Right, right. Or or we give up something and, you know, it's actually not so bad not having mm-hmm. it. Right. Yeah. And these things you think you just cannot give up, but then you, yeah, and then you give them up and you're like, oh, I, I really thought I was going to be more bent out of shape about that than I was. Mm-hmm. But you don't know until you try. And you might even find that you're happier without mm-hmm. it. Yeah. At least in my case, I'm not pounding down a mocha every day. Yeah. It <laughs> leads to brainstorming. It leads to creativity. And I think it leads to even the steps. You know, when you ask those even bigger what if questions, it might not be that you could actually do that thing, but it starts to make you think, well, so what would the steps be to get there? 
And could I incrementally make some changes that are somewhat in that direction? It's it's a fantastic, yeah, across absolutely. the board, not just with finances. It's a fantastic, even therapeutic tool. Yes. My favorite part about spring cleaning is that post-clean clarity when I'm like, wow, I can finally think clearly. How was I functioning in that mess before? It's kind of like when you find out you've been paying a fortune for wireless when Mint Mobile has phone plans for $15 a month when you purchase a three-month plan. If this sounds like the type of spring cleaning your finances need right now, then it's time to switch to Mint Mobile and get unlimited talk, text, and data for $15 a month. All plans come with high-speed data and unlimited talk and text delivered on the nation's largest 5G network. Plus, you can use your own phone with any Mint Mobile plan and bring your phone number along with all your existing contacts. To get this new customer offer and your new three-month unlimited wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month, go to mintmobile.com slash frugal. That's mintmobile.com slash frugal. Cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com slash frugal. $45 upfront payment required equivalent to $15 a month. New customers on first three-month plan only. Speed slower above 40 gigabytes on unlimited plan. Additional taxes, fees, and restrictions apply. See Mint Mobile for details. Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry. With an education that empowers communities, Trinity grads can change lives by applying natural health principles and techniques in holistic practices or stores selling nourishing health products. Offering 19 online programs that fit your busy schedule, you'll get training to help turn your passion into a career. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. So we invited you onto the show, Rob, actually, to talk about these five money myths that you've noticed that tend to keep people back from finding this financial freedom, this control over their finances. And after reading a lot of your book, I just felt like these five myths really do encompass a lot of the negative money mindset that a lot of the middle class holds on to. I know that I for so long held on to these and just made it it made me feel like I couldn't get ahead. I'd never become a millionaire or even financially secure. So I would love to just go through these for our listeners. The first one is that financial freedom requires a big salary. Tell us about that. Yeah. So this is the one that I hear a lot where people just say, you know, I don't have the money to save. And of course, in some cases, people might not have the money to save, right? Depending on their circumstances. So, you know, I recognize everyone's situation is different. But when I when I sort of talk to people about this and I kind of dive a little deeper if they're letting me and they're asking for my input, I, I, I come to learn that, that they actually have a lot more uh, ability to build wealth on their income than, than they realize. And, you know, I kind of ran through a quick uh, example earlier, but in the book, the example I use is someone, again, making 50000 a year, never getting a raise and saving 10%. So, and I get not everyone's there yet, but certainly I don't think we'd say that 10% is a crazy goal, right? Mm -hmm. And so you're saving uh, five grand a year in this example. And if you did that during your traditional working years, say from out of college to when you can get full social security and you're mid to late 60s, you've worked for 45 years. How much have you saved? Well, you've saved $225,000, right? And we haven't even thought about inflation yet, right? Mm. So that's what you've actually saved from working. If you stuck it under your mattress, you'd have a very lumpy bed and mm -hmm. 225 grand mm -hmm. stuck under there, right? If instead you invested it, and here I'm thinking mainly passive index funds and happy to get into all the detail you want there, and you earned an average return on that money during that period, you'd have a, just under three and a half million dollars. Mm. Now, I'm guessing most people in following this hypothetical through would have not guessed that kind of money. Remember, it was 1.7 earlier, but we were, we were only saving 5%. Right. And the thing I'd like to point out to people is, look, the vast majority of your wealth doesn't come from the actual dollars you save. You need to do that to get the ball rolling. But 80, 90% of your wealth 20, 30, 40 years from now is going to come from your investment returns and the compounding of your investment returns. And that is a really important concept to understand. And when you understand that kind of power, then you, know, you can see that even on a quote unquote smaller salary, 
or say something that's not six figures, right, or whatever, you can still build a lot of wealth. Now, of course, there's the whole issue of, well, how do you save 5% or how do you save 10% or goodness, how do you save 20%? And I cover that as well. Mm. But the important thing to understand is every dollar that comes into your hand has the potential to be a tremendous builder of wealth for you. Mm. Kind of related to that is small changes. You know, I kind of ran through those assumptions quickly. You save 5,000 a year for, in this case, 45 years, you earn an average rate of return. You know, I kind of gloss by those, but those are actually really important inputs. Mm. You know, if you change it from 5,000 a year to 4,500, it's $500 a year, not a huge amount of money. It, it makes a, a tremendous difference to the outcome. Yeah. Small changes in the return or the amount you save over time mm-hmm. turn into either piles of wealth or missed opportunities and lost wealth. Mm. For some, that's a little disconcerting, but I find it empowering. Yeah. Over time is the key, but also staying content in the interim. You know, that's Mm -hmm. great to say 45 years from now, you've got $3 million, but staying content with, you know, living off of the $45,000 a year in the hypothetical situation mm-hmm. and continuing right. to keep that consistency. I think that's that's a big key also, which I think is connected to another one of your lies. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> and in the 45 years, I mean, probably many people listening to the show weren't born 45 years ago. Right. 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 Carter. Yeah. Carter was president, I think. I've got my, if I've got my so, you know, yeah, I don't want to gloss over that that's a long time, mm-hmm. but maybe that actually gets to lie number two. Yeah. Yeah. Which financial freedom takes 40 years or longer to achieve. Yeah. Tell us about that myth. Yeah. So, you know, in the hypothetical, we're looking at a long time frame, but there are two things about it. One is you can shorten that significantly uh, by increasing your savings, mm. you know, and of course the whole fire movement, right? Financial sure. independence, retire mm-hmm. early. But you don't have to increase it as much as you think. I, I, I talk to people and they like, oh, I can't do fire. Who can save 70% of their income? Uh, right. Mr. Money Mustache is insane. <laughs> yeah. And, um, Did uh, you listen to our episode on that? Is that what you're saying? <laughs> no. Well, my first response to that is, yeah, he is kind of insane. Um, and by the way, I've known Pete for a long time. He was on my show, goodness, six years ago, I think. Oh, nice. But most people aren't going to do that. Most people aren't going to save 50%, mm-hmm. right? I, well, there was a time when I did, but most of the time I didn't. But, you know, even saving 20%, still a, a big saving rate. I get it. But not, you know, Mr. Money Mustache crazy, right? Sure. Shortens the time for t- to reach financial independence significantly. But here's the other thing I'd say. I think people start to experience the benefits of financial freedom, even when they get to what I call level one, which is just one month's worth of expenses in the in the bank. Mm. Because you've taken the burden off of living paycheck to paycheck. Mm-hmm. Sure, you don't have a long runway. You know, you're just starting out. That's fine. But you're not living paycheck to paycheck. And when you get to the point where you've got six months saved and invested or a year saved and invested, and you keep moving from there, it can have a profound impact on your life. Yeah. And one story I share, I, in my, when I left the law firm, took a huge pay cut, went to work at a corporation. And the job was okay. Didn't really work out. I ended up leaving after a couple of years. Mm. I wouldn't call it a failure, but it was clear that it was not a long-term thing. And I was in a meeting with some higher-ups and one of the top people there was screaming and yelling at a coworker, Mm. totally out of line. And I remember thinking then, you know, I, I can't retire. I don't have that kind of financial freedom, but I got plenty of money in the bank. I'm working towards it. And you know what? I could quit this job. I could walk out of this meeting right now and go out the front door. Mm. And I might be unemployed for six months, but I got the freedom to do Mm -hmm. that. Mm -hmm. I don't have to take this crap, Mm -hmm. right? And this wasn't even directed at me. Mm -hmm. I just, you know, anyway. And in fact, I did. I ended up waiting to get another job, uh, (laughs) but I left that job just a couple of months later. But that kind of freedom, you're not, you're not trapped. Yeah. I mean, emotionally, it's huge. I think we focus so much on the, you know, the end goal of financial freedom that we forget right. about all of the the cognitive load and the weight that's lifted off with every step mm-hmm. closer you get. And it's mm-hmm. so living yes. paycheck to paycheck is so, so stressful. Mm-hmm. It affects our decisions and our mental energy so much. And the, every step yeah. you take 
to get closer to that takes that burden off and is in yeah. its 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 own freedom. And I love mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And it absolutely it depends on even your definition of retirement. I think people try to get so creative with that. And mm-hmm. I, I get it because when you retire, you're still gonna do something with your time. And there's times where I'm like, Yeah, I'm retired. <laughs> like, no, no, I'm not. I do still have to work. <laughs> but I do have the freedom to choose a job that I enjoy. So that's part of it, is that I think so much of the fire movement is wanting to get out of something quote unquote dead end. And and of course, if it feels that way, that that's it's really a bummer to be stuck in that, but to be able to work something, because we're always going to want to do something with our hands to put our minds and our energy to something, but to be able to have that freedom to say, yeah, I can, I can leave this job. I've got enough money saved. I can go choose to do something that I want, or I can choose to do something that, that is less money because I've cut my expenses and, and I'm able to do that. So so much freedom <laughs> in what we can do and how we achieve that freedom. You know, it's funny you say that because when I left that, so I'd taken a massive pay cut to take that job. And I went from the big corner office at the law firm to this, I think there was a, I literally, I think it was a converted closet, but at least it was an office. <laughs> yeah. I had that going for me. It had a door so and there a walls. Some, like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, there is an ego part of this, right? Yeah. I mean, and, yeah, I have to, and I have to give credit to my wife. She didn't give a rip about that stuff. Mm. She could care less if I were a partner at a big firm or I had a closet for an <laughs> office. She really, yeah. I, I picked I picked a winner. But the point is, when I left that job, I took another pay cut. Right? Mm-hmm. I was like, I'm working back. <laughs> yeah, in a way, I was. That's what I, I was climbing down the corporate ladder. Yeah. Right. And in part because I'd realized I'd leaned the ladder against the wrong mm. building. Right. Mm, I climbing. like that. I, mean, I was. I was climbing. Yeah. I was climbing fast. I was just going to the wrong place. <laughs> and that third job was the best job ever. Mm-hmm. It was wonderful. And I couldn't have done it uh, had I continued to try to live a yep. partner lifestyle. Definitely. Yeah. That uh, kind of brings us to our next lie. Everyone says money can't buy happiness, but those of us that live in the real world really think that happiness is expensive. And that is a true myth that we believe. Yeah, that's my view. When I talk to people about this, a lot of them will say, you know, Rob, I hear you, but listen, life is short. I might be dead before I can retire. I want to live mm-hmm. life for today. And I say, well, you know, so do I. So what, to, but what does that look like? And, and are you, are the things that you're doing, particularly when it comes to spending money, truly making you happy, right? Maybe they are. Uh, but what I've found is that the things that make me the happiest don't generally involve spending a lot of money. I mean, yes, we all like to go on a nice vacation. We like to maybe you know buy some nice things for our children or a significant other. And what that means in terms of actual dollars is going to vary from person to person. But what I have found uh, in my own experience was that the, when I bought things that were expensive to me, they ended up not bringing me the happiness that I mm-hmm. thought they, w- they would. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we've lived a very comfortable lifestyle, but I mean, you know, most of the day-to-day stuff that we do either costs nothing or very little, you know, we're not, I'm not a, again, not to keep bringing Miss Pete into this, but you know, he lives on like 24 grand a year or something. That's Mm -hmm. not me. Mm -hmm. I'm not sort of that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, But that's okay. Everyone's got a different thing, but you know, I'm not someone that's got to have a new car every other year. Yeah. Um, of course, well, now I don't have one, but that's, <laughs> yeah. maybe that'll change. I don't know. <laughs> Much less. You've climbed down that ladder too. Yeah, I'm like all the way down to the <laughs> ground floor. But again, this is where I come back to the idea of what if questions and running experiments so that mm-hmm. you you can truly learn what makes you happy. Yeah. And the things that I enjoy doing, like talking to you guys, uh, writing about personal finance, my, recording my own podcast, publishing uh, "Retire Before Mom and Dad." Mm. Uh, I, okay, I play chess, and I'm not I'm not afraid to admit it. That's you know, uh, we're recording. Uh, at this point, everyone you like, know that we're recording. I know everyone's clicked <laughs> off now. This guy is weird. You know, it's not. You know, it's just not ex- as expensive as I thought it would be before I knew better. Yeah, mm. and again, I think that's a whole. That's another perspective thing. I've been so I I don't even know what the word is. So I'm not even going to try and find it. But an example, my husband and I just went on on a vacation 
to a couple different locations, but one of them was to, we, we got to stay on points at a five-star resort in Las Vegas. We're not gamblers. We didn't even do nice. any of the slot machines, but we enjoyed the pool. But of course, the cabanas by the pool are running like $250 for four hours Ooh. and people are doing it. And it makes it look like it's this super high-end thing. But then you realize... It's just a tent in the middle of the desert <laughs> that somebody has yeah. said is worth $250 for four hours. And then the ironic thing about that is we then travel, what, four hours to Sedona, Arizona, maybe longer than that. I don't know. Fact check me. And we go to a pool that's completely empty. Beautiful cabanas, more beautiful than the ones at the five-star resort. Nobody's in it. Nobody's at the pool. It doesn't cost you a thing. It is literally just the monetary value that's placed on something and perspective. And and then and then you don't want it, right? Because it it's not valuable anymore. But it's literally not, the same not thing. Oh, it's so right. I'm sorry, that's such a side tangent, but it got me thinking about just the perspective from so on, on all of this of if we could change that and and widen and expand our perspective, it can help so much in how we approach money. The fact that you were like, it's a tent in the desert <laughs> is why I love it. It is, right? <laughs> that's ultimately what it is that somebody is saying is worth $250 for four hours and people want the status of it. So they do it. They're not getting tan though. Mm -mm. I would pick Sedona over Vegas anyway. Oh yeah. Just right there. Absolutely. We flew yeah. in because it was cheap and on points, got two nights yeah. at a five-star resort, enjoyed the pool and got out of there. <laughs> no cabanas. <laughs> no cabana. <laughs> Just the sun. Mm. Anyhow, happiness is not expensive. So moving on, lie number four, Rob, you talk about how we can sometimes believe that investing is complicated and that can be a barrier to us even doing it in the first place. What are your thoughts on this? Yeah, so I, I tackled this a couple of ways. The first thing that I think causes people to think investing is complicated is all the jargon, right? Mm. Your work and you hear someone say, yeah, I've got an emerging market fund and it's doing really well. Yeah, equities are overpriced, but heck, we're in a bond bubble and who wants to deal with interest rate risk? And you're like, huh, what? What just happened? <laughs> um, who is this guy uh, or gal, right? And, and the reality is the jargon, the, the concepts are very simple. You just have to understand the lingo, right? So that's the first thing I tackle in the book is, mm. you know, it's not you know, you don't have to memorize all this stuff. There's no test at the end of this, right? Yeah. But you don't want, you, you want to understand the basic concepts, right? And then to actually invest, and my approach is, for the most part, uh, low-cost index fund investing, right? I'm a big fan of Vanguard, but, you know, other mutual fund companies have great low-cost index funds as well. Mm. And you can make it as simple as a single mutual fund, like a, a target date retirement fund. I do talk about fees, Remember those small things multiplied over many years make a huge difference. So mutual funds, of course, have fees. And even if the difference seems small, let's say a quarter of 1%, for example, doesn't seem that big a deal, right? You got cash back credit cards that get you 2%. How big a deal can a quarter of 1% be? Right. But when you multiply it over decades, it's, it's ginormous, mm. right? But in any event, you can invest... With a single fund, they have a thing that's kind of popular called the three fund portfolio, where you invest in a U.S. stock index fund and a foreign or international stock index fund, and then a U.S. bond fund. And I give examples of all of these in the book. And you could Google three fund portfolio; you'd find a lot of great content on it as well. Uh, but very easy to create that kind of portfolio inside your four hundred one k or your IRA. Mm. So I, I, you know, that's just not complicated. Um, you know, there are some questions you need to answer, right? Do you start with your 401k at work? If you have one, do you start with an IRA? Should you go with Roth or traditional? And these are important questions. And I kind of walk through my views on them in the book. Happy to go into any detail now that you want. But at the end of the day, they're not complicated. There's just a couple of things you need to figure out. And you can be investing and you don't need a lot of money. You know, you can put 25 bucks a month in your 401k or start an IRA at a Vanguard or maybe a Betterment or Wealthfront, if you want a robo-advisor, you know, for just a few bucks a month. Yeah. And it's really that easy. Mm -hmm. Now, there are some things to think about, right? I mean, 
The hard part is when the market's down 50% and you're like, who was that guy on their, their podcast? Berger? Was that his name? What an <laughs> idiot, right? I've got, I started a three fund portfolio and I'm down 50%. <laughs> you, you need to understand that that's sort of mm-hmm. part of the bargain, right? Mm-hmm. The market was down that much in 08, 09. If you're in your 20s and you live to be 100, you'll experience that kind of market three, four, five times, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Helpful. So I talk a lot about how to deal with that. Mm. Part of that is understanding that it's just part of the cycle of business and economies and the market. Sure. But it's tough, right? Because if you think back to 08, 09, it wasn't just that the market was down, right? Everything was failing around. Banks were about to go belly up. Some did. The auto industry was teetering on, on failure. Unemployment hit at one point, I think 10%. It was it was scary. People were frightened. People were losing their homes. So you weren't just dealing with a falling market. In some ways, that was just you know the least of our day-to-day concerns, right? We just wanted to keep our home and have a job. Mm-hmm. And so that's going to happen again, Not maybe not exactly like it did in 08 and 09. And we don't know when. That's the fun part. Mm-hmm. We have no idea when. Right? <laughs> <Ooh>. <laughs> uh, Mystery. It's like, this, this is great, Rob. <laughs> right. If you can't tell me when, what, what good is this? Well, the good is, is that you know it. You, you, you set expectations. Yeah, you can it's anticipate it. Sure. Yeah, plan now for it. Investing mm-hmm. isn't complicated, but there are a few things you need to know and prepare for, and then you're good to go. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> just, just wait for the next market crash. <laughs> and I think you covered the most important parts with in emphasizing how important it is to just start saving. Like, if you pick a low-cost yeah. index fund, I mean, the most important thing is just to start saving consistently. Mm-hmm. The funds you're in, the company you pick, all that is less important than to actually start doing it. And then you can figure so it out true. along the way. You've got time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I would add to that, and it kind of dovetails into line number five, debt is a fact of life. One of the things that I've heard is is this idea that you should pay off all your non-mortgage debt before you start investing. Mm. And I don't know your views on that, but I can tell you that to me, it's hard for me to think of financial advice that's worse than that. Mm. I mean, it's like the worst You're making ever. all the Ramsey listeners um, squirm. Ramsey, I, I've heard of that guy. Yeah, He's who got, is yeah, that? I mean, he screams yeah. a lot. <laughs> You know, I mean, at a high level, I think he, he's terrific. And, you know, I probably agree with, you know, 95% of, of, sure. of, of his views. But, you know, you, you've got a 401k at work with matching contribution. You're going to you're gonna ignore that for 10 years while you try to get out of student loan debt that's mm-hmm. at 5% or 6%. Mm-hmm. That's mm-hmm. just, you might as well take your money and put it in the driveway, yeah. pour some gas on it and set it on fire. Um, that's just you're insanity. sounding extreme too. I feel like <laughs> screaming. Yeah, but, you're, but I'm not screaming. Well, this, one, this one gets me fired up. I mean, you know, yeah. you don't have, you can pursue multiple financial goals at one mm-hmm. time. You don't, it's not all or nothing. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, there's, it's, there's not an exact science to this. It's not like there's one answer for everybody. Exactly. But yeah. I think you should be saving and investing yeah. something, even yeah. while you're trying to meet other financial goals, like getting out of debt and yeah. buying a home and all that yeah. sort of thing. To look at the rates of interest on yeah, what you can be investing versus how how much your debt is accruing. It's it's really important to not just put a one size fits all. And also what you're able to do, what your income is. There's so yeah. many yeah. variables that need to be considered in this. Absolutely. Yeah. We interviewed our friend Marilee of last year sometime about how she is modifying the Dave Ramsey baby steps and their contributing to their 401k and it has taken them a little longer to pay off the debt but actually her and her family a family of five three kids one new baby just became debt-free on a single income and they still contributed to their 401k for part of that journey so it can be done and it's not going to keep you in debt it's not going to keep you from paying it off Mm mm-hmm well, and you raise an important point. I mean, you know, learn from from podcasts, mm-hmm. learn from things you read, learn from books. But at the end of the day, you're going to have to make what you think mm-hmm. is the best decision yep. for you, right? And like mm-hmm. I, as another example, you know, the whole debt snowball versus debt a- avalanche debate. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I've had people tell me, you know, I really did need the debt snowball mm-hmm. approach at first. I really needed mm-hmm. to get that first mm-hmm. bill paid off. Mm-hmm. It's a real shot in the arm. But then once I kind of had figured it out, I realized, okay, I got this now. 
Yeah. And then they can they switched mm-hmm. over to Dead Avalanche because, yep. you know, it's usually faster and cheaper. And I thought that was terrific. I mean, that's a great way to yeah. figure out what works best for you. Agreed. Dave Ramsey was great for my husband and I when we first got married. And once I got the hang of it, I started to realize the freedom that I had and the decisions that I could make that would work for mm-hmm. us. So I don't yeah. want to knock what he's doing because clearly it's working for so many. But I think that there can come a point where you realize, oh, that was great. That was a tool in my tool belt. And I now am going to use use the power drill instead of the screwdriver. <laughs> I love that. Mm-hmm. That's terrific. And if you need to go back to the manual at some point, like you can flip flop yeah. like, both the debt snowball and the debt avalanche and with you being out of debt. So you don't have to stick with what you start with and you don't have to, you can go back and forth mm. in whatever season of life you're in. Absolutely. You know what else? There's a lot of freedom and and greatness too. Yeah, I I never go back and forth on this one. I'm always I'm always <laughs> no. committed and it's to never, this one. This one is gonna stay, and this one is like the power yeah. drill. It's the bill of the, the week. That's right. It's time for the best minute of your entire week. Maybe a baby was born and his name is William. Maybe you paid off your mortgage. Maybe your car died and you're happy to not have to pay that bill anymore. Duck bills, Buffalo bills, Bill Clinton. This is the bill of the week. Rob, every week we invite our listeners or our guests to share their favorite bill for this week. And you teased us a little with your bill before we started recording. And so I'm so interested to hear what you have for us. Yeah. So I have a bill that I've been paying for 10 years now, and I have no plans to stop paying it. And it was life-changing. Wow. So the story is in college, I hurt my back playing sports, intramurals, and it progressively got worse. To the point where two, three, four times a year it'd go out on me and I couldn't walk for a week. And I tried everything. So acupuncture, chiropractor, cupping, dry needling. Oh, that's all kinds of fun. Ooh, I've never heard of that. What's dry needling? (laughs) So think think of acupuncture where they just stick the needle into the skin and then imagine the Uh guy tripping and falling on the needle (laughs) and driving it into your muscle. Right. Those are the worst two words that you could ever combine. Yeah. Dry yeah. Yeah. needling. Whoa. Oh my yeah. gosh. You tried it though. So, mm-hmm. Oh man. Well, and I had a physical world. therapist. One day I went in and he was in a back brace. I'm like, oh, this is not good. I can't lose you. He'd been in a car accident. And I said, well, what does the physical therapist do who's got a back problem? Because, you know, I'm suffering here. And he, he sent me to a, a private uh, gym here in Northern Virginia, underground athlete. And I say private, it's not the kind of gym where you just show up whenever you want and use the equipment. They map out a workout plan every month. You make appointments and you go in and it's a small group setting with trainers, right? Mm -hmm. And I started doing that 10 years ago and I was a mess. So there's guys in there bench pressing and squatting and I'm literally laying on the floor with no weights. (laughs) And he was having me go from my back to my stomach without using my arms or legs. That was me. I'm not kidding. Uh Yeah, it was awesome. I fun. like that workout. You know, while, while I'm trying, that. you know, the other guys are like tripping over me, like, what's this clown doing? I'm here? trying to imagine um, how you would go from your back to your stomach <laughs> without your arms or your legs. I'm going to have to try that later. You engage your core. I could, my son can show you. Yeah, <laughs> my four month old. You engage you. your core. That's what you do. So, you know, 10 years and I haven't had my back go out on me. Um, now, uh, it was slow. Mm. It took me forever mm. to get to a, where I am. I mean, I weighed probably two and a quarter then. I weigh 180 now, so that's part of it. But it's not cheap. And I I gladly pay his fee every single month. Yeah. Mm. I love paying my CrossFit membership. So I love hearing other people that will pay money to invest mm-hmm. in their health mm-hmm. like that. And that's the point. I love that one. So you do CrossFit? I, I do. I'm not good at it. I'm not what you think that saying that <laughs> should make me. Very bad at it. <laughs> but so, so the thing with CrossFit is they do those Olympic style lifts, mm-hmm, right? If, yeah. if you know what I mean. 
And for me, those would be uh, probably dangerous because of lack of mobility. Yeah. Mm. I would probably end up hurting myself. Sometimes they're dangerous for me too, yeah. but I don't lift very yeah. heavy weight. So they're not that bad. But I love yeah. that. I love thanks that for, bill. Thanks for sharing I, that bill. Yeah, there's my yeah. bill. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Okay. If you're out there and you want to submit your bill of the week, if it's a gym membership of some sort or any membership, please visit frugalfriendspodcast.com slash bill and let us know on our Google voicemail or speak pipe. We'd love to hear it and be proud of you. Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast growing health and wellness industry. With an education that empowers communities, Trinity grads can change lives by applying natural health principles and techniques in holistic practices or stores selling nourishing health products. Offering 19 online programs that fit your busy schedule, you'll get training to help turn your passion into a career. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. I don't love creating my spending plan each month, and it took me a while to find a budgeting app that had simple features but didn't feel and look like a spreadsheet. If that's you too, Monarch's the way to go. Monarch is the top-rated all-in-one personal finance app. It gives you a comprehensive view of all of your accounts, investments, transactions, and more. Create custom budgets, track progress toward financial goals, and collaborate with your partner. And now get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash frugal. I like how easy it is to customize my budget and create automatic transaction rules. The transaction widget helps me stay on top of my spending. After using Monarch for several months, I understand why it's the top rated personal finance app. And right now, listeners of this show will get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash frugal. That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H M-O-N-E-Y dot com slash frugal. For your extended 30-day free trial, go to monarchmoney.com slash frugal for an extended 30-day free trial. Good work. And now that leads us to the lightning round. I'm a little sick. I don't know how that turned out, but... You guys seem to do that the same way every (laughs) single time. How do you do that? Do I? I, I, I think it's it. that I'm getting better. <laughs> I don't know. It's a, it's impressive. <laughs> Everybody wants to hear the actual like lightning oh, sounds. Yeah. And so that's what I've decided I'm going to provide. Eric keeps us on it. our toes. Sometimes he adds in actual lightning yeah. sounds that probably scares people so much. I don't know. I'm here for the people. My friend Emerald said that she like was falling asleep to our podcast. Well, it it was endearing. (laughs) Now that I say it out loud, it sounds like an insult. She said that she thought my voice was soothing and she was like falling asleep to it. But then we got to the bill of the week, which is super loud. (laughs) It scared her out of her sleep. So sorry, y'all. Don't fall asleep on our podcast. <laughs> well, that's how we assure people listen to the second half of the podcast. Well, at least we haven't fallen asleep. So we got that going for all yeah. awake now. Yeah. So mm-hmm. in this lightning round, that's just really name only, Rob. Let's be real. Here's our question. <laughs> okay. What's the first step to reshaping how we can think about financial freedom? The first step, the very first thing I would do if you don't, if you haven't started anywhere is prepare a balance sheet, your net worth statement. That's the first thing I would do. In other words, a list of everything you own and all of the debt you owe and then what the difference is. And if you're like me, when I did that, I I had a negative net worth. It was not pretty. That's okay. Mm -hmm. That is the first thing I would do. Mm -hmm. um, And I would track it religiously. It can be, you know, you can update Mm -hmm. it once a year. It doesn't have to be every month or anything. Because ultimately your wealth is not how much you make, right? A lot of people make a ton of money and spend it all. I, by the way, I worked with a lot of them at the law mm. firm, and they were they they wouldn't know financial freedom if it come up came up and punched him in the nose. So you know your income is what you make, but your what what shows up on your your balance sheet, your net worth statement is what you've ended up keeping and investing. Mm. So that mm-hmm. actually is the first thing I would do is prepare a net worth statement. It could just be in a spreadsheet, piece of paper, nothing fancy. That's how you measure your progress, um, yeah. and I would update it you know once mm-hmm. a year. 
That's the first thing I would do. Awesome. Yeah. And you could use uh, personal capital is how we keep track of our net worth too. That's super easy. I love personal capital. I use mm-hmm. it as well. And yep, it can absolutely track your net worth. Yeah. Pretty graphs and charts. All right. And Rob, so where can people go to learn more about you and get your book? So they can just go to retirebeforemomanddad.com. That's uh, where they'll find me and the book. I mean, I'm, I'm a deputy editor at Forbes, so you could look me up there as well. Retire Before Mom and Dad is the book. Retirebeforemomanddad.com is the website. And uh, go check it out and retire before your mom and your dad. Well, thank you so much for coming, Rob. This was so much fun. Well, thanks, guys. I really appreciate it. It was a lot of fun. Super good input. Thanks for being here. Wow. Our interviews are my favorite, I think. It's my favorite part. Yes. I don't know what everybody else's favorite part is. You can let us know in Facebook, in not your on our reviews. reviews. <laughs> or in the reviews, yeah. Oh, you can talk about your favorites, like, not it's your positive. least favorite. Yeah, if it's positive. Yeah. Because that stuff, that <laughs> stuff goes ones. everywhere, okay? The internet, you can't erase that. So anyhow, okay. we are continuing on with our book club. And this month, we are reading your very own. You just heard him. It's Rob's book, Retire Before Mom and Dad. So mm. hop in on that bandwagon. And if you would like to win a copy of Rob's book, all you need to do to enter is to leave us a review on iTunes or Stitcher, screenshot the review and send it to frugalfriendspodcast at gmail.com. And we will select one winner for every five reviews we get at the end of the month. Nice. And if you want an example of some really helpful review literature, we've got some fantastic writers out there on the internet just typing away. This one's from Andrea, mm. and she gives us five stars because it just it pairs well with the literary content. And she says, realistic personal finance. Thank you so much, Jen and Jill, for your energy and enthusiasm for personal finance. You have been inspirational as I work to dig out of student loan debt along with focusing on spending more money why spending money more wisely whoops <laughs> whoops on experiences that truly serve me i appreciate mm, your realistic yes. approach and both the small and drastic ways that you suggest to help manage money and time boom andrea you, you. use all of the words in the best way possible and i hope that that's a lesson to everybody else leave us a review yes thank you so much Andrea yeah and maybe we'll read it on air at the end (laughs) of the episode anyhow see you next week next week yeah that's it bye Frugal Friends is produced edited and mixed by Eric Siriano Okay, bye. See ya. (laughs) Don't let the door hit you, apparently. (laughs) Oh, man, Jen, I was dying. We didn't do Google Hangouts this time to see each other's faces. But when you were talking about how when you say CrossFit, but then you felt the need to describe that it doesn't you don't look like the person that would say, or I don't even know how you said nope. it. I was just, I could not contain myself. Like, <laughs> but before you I get mean, a you mental me picture, you're like, she, she doesn't do that. She, no. she doesn't even do yoga. <laughs> I would never <laughs> doubt that you do CrossFit, but I was dying at all the caveats you felt you needed to state. Oh my goodness. Well, if you watched me do CrossFit, you would understand. <laughs> Can someone what I'm take a video? If you actually do, watched me do it. Do any of our listeners yeah. go to the gym with you? Because I would pay them real money to get a video of you and post it. I don't know. They know what I do for a living, but I don't know if they know like what I do for a living. <laughs> you know? <laughs> <laughs> I don't even understand that. But what I'm saying is if anybody in the St. Pete area is listening to this and they can just hang out at CrossFit gym for the next week and snag a snag some vid of Jen, I'd be 
so appreciative. There's only one person that might hear this. Yeah, that might do that. Would Lisa do it? I don't know. She's (laughs) Travis. Yeah, I don't know. Travis. I'm looking at you, dude. You know he's going to do that for some cash. Well, we'll see. We'll see. He may. He may or may not. Anyways, that's that's all for me. Okay. That's all for me. I might. Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry. With an education that empowers communities, Trinity grads can change lives by applying natural health principles and techniques in holistic practices or stores selling nourishing health products. Offering 19 online programs that fit your busy schedule, you'll get training to help turn your passion into a career. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. Right here, right now. Find your beautiful new floor at Right Rug Flooring. Choose from thousands of in-stock styles ready for next day installation and all backed by the right price guarantee. Visit rightrug.com. That's R-I-T-E-R-U-G.com today to schedule a free in-home estimate or to find a location near you. 24-month financing is available with approved credit. For 90 years, we've been right here, right now. Right Rug Flooring.